to talk about the Holy Spirit. It says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. It was night. And as John has written this story in both the gospel and the book of 1 John, he contrasts light and dark. Jesus is the light of the world. Men love darkness rather than than the light because their deeds are evil. And it was night. And the night that was happening was probably the darkest night that's ever been on earth. It's the night in which Jesus was betrayed, and the next morning he was crucified, and a whole new darkness came over Jesus' life, and a darkness came over the life of these disciples who were with him. And so the, we're going to look at some verses in John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And scholars call this the upper room discourse because it was in the upper room. But it's really Jesus' communication to his disciples the night before he died. And And reading the text, you kind of get the idea that Jesus knew what was going on, but the disciples didn't know what was going on. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like your life and my life? You know, Jesus knows what's going on, but we don't. And he tries to explain to them what's going on. And four times in these chapter 14, 15, 16, he mentions the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at those verses. And we're going to get acquainted with the Holy Spirit because I think there's a lot of misinformation about the Holy Spirit. There's a, there are a lot of things out there that people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. And part of that is just the excesses that they've seen that have been blamed on him. So the first verse, John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus is talking to these people in the upper room. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, the word advocate in many translations is translated counselor or helper it's it's the idea of someone who's totally on your side i'm going to give you someone who's totally on your side just like i've been totally on your side and it says the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him he is invisible it's like so do christians have an invisible friend he Yes, we do. His name is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And isn't that just some of the best news, that we're not alone, that we're not orphans? That Jesus is coming to us, he has come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The second verse, John 14, 26, he says, But the advocate, again, the one who's with you, your helper, your counselor, your comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you 
of everything I've said to you. And so the Holy Spirit comes to teach. And I really, the, the, the people who wrote the Gospels testify that as they wrote these Gospels, that, that they were not alone, that the Holy Spirit brought to their mind what they should write, the memories, that the Holy Spirit helped them to express that. The third thing he says about the Holy Spirit, John 15, 26, when the advocate comes who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And so one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus. And whenever I'm talking to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, I'm absolutely sure of this because of what Jesus said. That if I say to that person, God loves you, that the Holy Spirit is right there saying, yes, he does. You better listen. God loves you because of what Jesus did. See, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. He's the most modest of all the three in the Godhead because he throws the spotlight on Jesus and not on himself. The fourth thing Jesus says is, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And you want to go, time out. Have you ever thought, you know, I just wish I could have been with Jesus. I wish I could have just walked with him and seen the miracles and heard him teaching. Man, it wouldn't nothing be better than that and yet Jesus is saying to his disciples oh no it's for your good that I go away it's better that I leave you than I stay with you and he goes on to say unless I go away the advocate the Holy Spirit will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you see when Jesus was on earth He could only be at one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit could be in every believer all around the world at the same time. That the Holy Spirit is Christ in us and with us. And Jesus said, that's a better deal than I was on earth. Because all of you can know you. And so these were his teachings. And the disciples didn't know how dark things would be. And if you want to read the whole 14, 15, 16. And just say, well, what did Jesus tell them the last night of his life? It's all there. And part of what he was telling them was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul kind of clarifies some things about the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, verse 9, he says, You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. So there are two realms. There's the realm of the flesh. That's what you can see and touch and handle. And there's the realm of the Spirit, that which cannot be seen. And we we do live in a world of two realms, even today. 
And he says, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, some people teach that you kind of get Jesus and the Holy Spirit on the installment plan. First, you get Jesus, and then later you get the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, no, the Holy Spirit comes to everyone who trusts in me. The Holy Spirit fills them. And the question is not, do I have all of the Spirit? The question really is, does the Spirit have all of me? And that's the difference. And um, then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, these are some of the last words of Jesus. I'm sure you're familiar with these. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit comes and brings power to our lives. The Holy Spirit is the generator of power in our lives. I remember when we had that snowstorm on our street, uh, it went black, and then a little while later, we heard generators going on. We didn't happen to have a generator. It kind of created an unequal world, if you know what I mean. You know, the people across the street are, got their refrigerator going, and I don't know what else, but we were in total darkness. But the Holy Spirit is the generator. Generator. He's the motivator. He gets us moving and keeps us going. And see, we're not designed to be self-contained unit. We need an external power source, the Holy Spirit. And the problem is that we often lose connection that we kind of get unplugged from the Holy Spirit who needs us, who lives in us. And we need him in us in order to have the power to live a life that loves God and pleases God and is fruitful. And the good news, the good news from John, is that Jesus promised and delivered on that promise that the Holy Spirit would come and would change our lives. Now, there's some misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit that he's a fixer. That the Holy Spirit is, comes to just fix everything. And I had a friend who said, uh, some people think that in prayer you could just say, uh, Holy Spirit, mow my lawn. And sitting there, suddenly the doors to the shed would open. We'd hear a lawnmower start up and suddenly miraculously the lawn would get mowed and that's really not how the holy spirit works you see the holy spirit is in us to motivate us to mow the lawn so if i say holy spirit mow my lawn what i'm actually saying is give me the power and the motivation and the desire as well as the skill to mow my lawn i need your help He's not a fixer. He's the power to, be tra to transform us into Christ's likeness, regardless of what's broken in our lives. Do you know, we're all going to be broken when Jesus returns. If you haven't figured that out yet, just 
take a deep breath and stop trying to be perfect. Because when Jesus comes, we're all going to have broken areas of our lives. But what the Holy Spirit does is he, even with our brokenness, tries to transform us to where through our brokenness we're looking more and more like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And when I memorize this verse, it says, the, the translation I memorized it says we're transformed is into his image from glory to glory. Which means that we're just kind of being transformed into being more and more like Jesus. Uh, but we find ourselves so often with a power outage. And so what causes power outages in our lives? Well, I want to just summarize in saying there are two things that caused power outage in my life. And I suppose these two things are power outages in your life. First one is current circumstances that we can't fix. Current circumstances we can't fix, like unresolved health issues. That rather than saying, Lord, through this issue, would you glorify yourself and make me like Jesus? We say, Holy Spirit, fix it. And when he doesn't, we kind of dismiss God. It's kind of like, well, thanks a lot. I'll just go on my own then. Or what about broken relationships and broken people in our lives? We all have those people. Uh, Family, friends, maybe employers, employees. They create this frustration and we pray and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to change things. And nothing happens. And so we dismiss him. Say, well, I guess you're not going to do anything. But what if what he wants to do is in you? What if he wants to to do is change you to be more like Jesus? Financial hardship. We unplugged from him because we just don't know what to do about it. And it seems hopeless. And we have shattered dreams, things that we are hoping for and planning for, and then suddenly it just kind of crumbles. And ongoing issues of anxiety and depression that just kind of come against us and the walls just kind of come in on us. And Holy Spirit, make this go away. And it doesn't. And so we give up on God. We unplug from the Holy Spirit, sinful addictions. So current circumstances that we can't fix, that I can't fix, make me, tempts me to just unplug with God, to not read my Bible, to not pray, to maybe go to church and just kind of turn my head off, just thinking about it, not really moving toward Christ with any openness or passion because there's just stuff that I can't fix. When the truth is that the Holy Spirit there is to give us the power to glorify Christ in the middle of all those things. That he's not the fixer. He's coming to help me live a life for Christ. 
than past events we can't escape. And I, I've written down a few things here. What about sins that we've committed in the past and the memories that we have of those sins? Maybe it's things we have done or maybe it's things that have been done to us. Have you ever tried to erase that from your mind? And have you discovered, like I have, that it's impossible to erase some of those things, that some of the hurts and habits and hang-ups that I had, and, and I still reenact those things and go back to them? I relive that memory. And see, the Holy Spirit... Instead of connecting with God, we just fall into all of this. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. They have no, in terms of our relationship with God, it has no effect on us. Corey Timboon said, that God threw our sins in the lake of forgiveness and put up a no fishing sign. But what do we do? We go fishing, don't we? We get a trigger and we go back to something and we kind of relive that. We have all the negative talk and all the negative feelings that come to us. And that causes us to disconnect from God. When the truth is that of all these things, God wants to show his redemption. He wants the world to see how he's able to take bad things and turn them into something good. That that's the true story. The true story of our life is a story of redemption. It's not a story of our failures. It's it's a story of how God has taken us and at the cross... He forgave us and he gave us the Holy Spirit so we could become different people, that we would change. When I think of these things, I think of, well, how does that happen? How does it change? Just me standing up here telling you it works and it's going to change? No, that's not how it works. It means that, that we open ourselves to God, and we began to look at what's unplugging us from Him, and we began to seek Him. Before the pandemic, we started a, a group at New Cub, just the first group, called a journey group. And a journey group would be where people who are saying, you know, I'm I'm stuck. Uh, or maybe I really want to turn and face things that have happened to me in the past, and I want to find God's redemption. And several people at New Cove joined that group for eight weeks and began to make progress in terms of how do I maintain connection with God in the middle of my life story. And we're starting that group again in September. And if in any way what I'm talking about touches something in you and you're going, yeah, I have to really turn my back on habits and hang-ups and uh, hurts in my life, 
maybe, I, maybe my problem is I need to turn and face those things. And if that's you, I would invite you to consider giving a few weeks during the fall to pursue the Holy Spirit and him freeing you from these things that are damaging you and causing you to unplug. Mike and Lois Nelson lead the group. And Mike, would you and Lois stand up and wave so people know who you are? If, if something spoke to you this morning about this, they would love for you to approach them and say, tell me about the journey group. Because it's a place, a, a beginning place, to begin to move your life into greater connection with God, more power of the Holy Spirit. Well, there's something simple that all of us can do to connect with the Holy Spirit. And Dr. Bill Bright with Camps Crusade sort of clarified this and popularized this idea, and it's called spiritual breathing. And so the application of the talk today is about spiritual breathing. And there are two steps to spiritual breathing. One is you breathe out. You empty yourself. You confess. You tell tell God the truth about where you are. 1 John 1, 9 says, and if we confess our sins, if we breathe out, if we our sins, if we empty ourselves, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So spiritual breathing, the first step is breathe out and then breathe in. The filling of the Spirit, connecting daily with the Spirit, breathing in, breathing in. And we do that by faith because we can't see the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we confess our sins and we say, God, I really need you. I need your power today. I need your power to overcome this temptation. I need your power to just keep going. Dear God, I'm helpless Help me. And then by faith that we breathe in, that God fulfills his promises, that he wants to fill empty vessels with his Holy Spirit, that he wants to take those places in our life that we've been full of that are wrong, and we empty those, and we breathe in his fullness. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we look at Philippians 3.10. It says in this in the Amplified Bible, and this so that I may know him experientially. You know, there are two ways to know God, academically and experientially. To know God academically means you know all the answers in the Bible about who God is and what he did. But to know him experientially is to have this daily Connected relationship with him to where you're breathing out and breathing in and walking with him. Becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him and understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in the same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. 
See, without him, we have no power to love. We have no power to forgive or to even be forgiven. We don't have the power to keep going. We don't have hope for redemption. And we don't have hope for transformation. We're just going to be the way we are till we die. And yet Jesus said, no, I have something better for you. I want to change you from the inside out to be like my son Jesus. And this last verse, John 15, 5, which you're familiar with in the Amplified, says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, so that we would have the power to live the Christian life and be transformed. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the clarity of what you said that night in the upper room and the promise that you delivered on. And I pray that each of us this week would seek to breathe spiritually every day. And when we slip off your path and sin through, through harsh words or actions or we give in to temptation, that immediately that we would empty ourselves, that we would confess to you, and that we would breathe in your spirit. Lord, we cannot afford to have any time disconnected with you because we'll miss the best part of life. And we won't be transformed. So, Lord, this week, give us the ability to breathe spiritually. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.